welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today, I'm joined by somebody that I know very well, Sue Heddo. Hi, Sue. Hello, Simon. So Sue is my fellow director at Rethink and heads up all of the delivery and insight production. So today, we're going to talk about how productivity data is far more than just Excel spreadsheets and people out with tablets gathering gathering data, and we're going to delve into some real-life examples, hopefully. So Sue, you deal with, as I've said, the delivery side of the business, the insight production, playing back to clients, all the things that we find while we're there. But there must be a level of base information that you need to be able to start that process. What kind of things do you need from the team that are gathering the data and maybe other bits of information? Yeah, I think when you're looking at creating insights, um, you need to have the good data, but then you also have some some context for that data because it's data within a context that really helps you get to the insights. And when you talk about context, what exactly do you mean? Um, by context, I mean um, things that an understanding of the industry and the operations. So if we're talking retail, an understanding of what it is that makes retail work. And when you're talking to retailers, they very soon know if they're talking to a fellow retailer or not. It's having that understanding of how things really happen in real life that takes things from being a number on something like waiting when there's no customers to really knowing what that means. Well, it's about how you cover your tills at the start and the end of the day, how you manage your breaks, how you manage the peaks and troughs in the business and match your resource to it. So it's having that understanding of the how things work, which really only comes from experience and time spent in some of those industries. You know, you can't turn up somebody fresh from the data. I think it's very difficult to then get quality insights because you can see things that are almost a a feature of the numbers that aren't really anything in real life. So it's how you make it real life is understanding, well, what's happening with the data? Well, what does that mean in real life? It's the two things combined together. Yeah, that makes good sense to me. And you put your trust in that data and I know as part of your processes there's lots of checking of the data for quality and accuracy but people just can't go out and gather that data themselves can they the, the team that we use are clearly trained but again it might be for the worth for the people listening you just telling us a bit more around why it's not practical just for somebody to pick up a tablet and go and do some timing yeah it's a it's skilled task to be able to collect data and it does need specialized training and um, what the data is it's it's following what people are doing but the really important one of the really important things that done is analysts are trained to be able to quantify what pace people are working at which is a mix of it's not just speed but it's effectiveness so they have to be able to know so if somebody's walking uphill versus downhill there's a different pace calculation to that if you're carrying something, if you're on a slippery surface. So they have they make adjustments for all those things. And the reason that matters is it helps you understand how efficiently a team is working. And it also helps you normalize any timings that you do. So if you're following somebody that's super fast, you need to dial that back a bit so that you get something that um, an average regular person could achieve. Similarly, if you've got somebody that's slow timing it, you need to up that speed a little bit because otherwise you're not getting a realistic timing. So analysts have to have a refresher every year. It really is a, a skilled job to be able to, to do a good job of it. And anybody coming into it new probably wouldn't have the concentration as well as the experience and skill it needs to be able to do a great job with it. 
So it's, it's an important part of the jigsaw, that whole rating piece and understanding how quickly or slowly tasks are being done to help you bring together all the production of the insights. Yes, it is. It really matters. And um, you do. You just need the training to be able to do it. You know, you wouldn't send somebody in to uh, be a brain surgeon who hasn't had the training. I'm not saying it's quite like brain surgery. However, it's really complicated things that our teams are doing. And they have to be fully briefed before they go in so they know exactly what they're looking for, what's important. And um, it's understanding things like the break points in, in a study. So what is it when over a period of a task, what are the points when it transitions from one part of the task to the next? And to be able to time those consistently across everybody across the study is really important. So if you kind of gave your own team some tablets and sent them out, it's really difficult to know, is a difference in the number something that's different in the process or is it just inconsistency in how the data is captured? So we spend an awful lot of time making sure we've got that in, that consistency of how data is captured from these skilled individuals. Okay. And then when you, you've kind of described the theory, so good data captured by qualified trained people, so we get a nice robust basis for that. When you kind of take that theory and put it into practice what does that look like well we don't use just the data when our analysts are out and about on site they're also collecting observations so things that they'll know from kind of their brains are wired to think about productivity so it could be either from things that from a method of how do doing things doesn't make sense or based on their own experience because a lot of the team have done, done lots of studies they've often been retailers or worked in other industries themselves so they have observations as well. So it's it's how we mix things together. And I think the magic really happens with insights when you take this core of data and use different types of study methodologies. So you get in different views in on the same operation, combine it with the observations and then that wider knowledge of the industry. And it's the, the mixing together of all those things that produces the, the real insights that make a difference. So... If I just talk you through kind of how we started at one of the recent ones. Well, first of all, while the team are out studying and from the scoping that we'll do on site, we'll have a view of some areas where there might be opportunities. So things that look like there could be an opportunity. And as well, the client will also have told us things that they're either working on, concerned about or um, things that they think they'll be interested in. So we go into it with a sort of a number of topics that we think there's there's an area to look at already. Um, we'll often use the the efficiency study data. So efficiency studies are when we're doing a team-wide study over a period of a shift. So we complete laps of the store and you create a snap a series of snapshots that build up to a picture over a day. The great thing about that study is it gives you a top-line overview of how time split. So we'll know how much downtime there is, how much time is spent on stock versus admin versus management versus the important task of looking after customers. And that top line often gives you a a good place to start from and will highlight areas that are important. So if you think there might be an opportunity on something, but it's only 0.1% of total time, it's not going to be a big opportunity, whereas something that's taking up 50% of time, shaving seconds off that will make a big difference. So it's looking at that top line data and then really drilling down into that and then bringing in things like the task times, so all of time tasks. So on a recent um, 
study, we the top line data told us there was a lot of what we call non-value add time. So that was a lot of time waiting for customers, which says on the tills, they hadn't got a good match of the number of colleagues that they deployed versus the number of customers that were going through the tills. So that was kind of the first big area. And then they were also spending an awful lot of time on stock and a higher proportion than we typically see for retail. When we then look at those task times, some of the times for some of the counts and things that they were doing are four times longer than we typically see. So this is where we're then bringing benchmarking information into it. So you're able to say, you know, produce insights that say, actually, you're taking, you know, a minute. Everybody else is taking a quarter of a minute to do the same thing. So from that, we're able to then pull out a whole series of um, places where they can look at. And because we're able to use the data and we know how long they're spending on it, we're able to say there's an opportunity of X percent or however many hours or whatever it is on, on these areas. So pull it together into themes and areas so we can really take them through a story that builds up, you know, these are the opportunities. And link with that things like the observations from the team because, you know, it might be hard to think, well, why does it take us four times longer to do a count? And then when you see perhaps the stock room isn't as tidy as it could be or there's a massive overstock, then that helps you understand why perhaps this is different to somebody who's got a, a simpler operation, a smaller operation or whatever. And just again, for context, I think benchmarking the last time I checked, we've got some 6 million data points from all the data we've captured. So that's that's rethink data anonymized. Why yeah. do people get excited about benchmarking? What, what does it give them? Uh, I know those are some of the slides that when you present back, some of the teams are amazed by, sometimes disappointed by. Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting to, to see where you get to with benchmarking. Um, sometimes it's useful because there is this big difference. So as I talked about, you know, the, we've got one recently where they're taking four times longer to do accounts than typical than typically people do. Another area that we use benchmarking a lot is on click and collect times. It's the amount of time it takes to retrieve a parcel from the customer getting to the counter to walking away with their parcel. Varies wildly. And the fastest we've seen consistently is just 27 seconds. And others are like three, four minutes. So it really helps you understand the art of the possible. Because if you think, well, we've, you know, a business thinks we've worked really hard on it. We've made loads of changes. And then you start to see, well, actually, there's somebody that can do it in, you know, half the time that we can. It really makes you change as a retailer's way of thinking about it. So it, I say it's that art of the possible piece. The other thing it can do is really help you understand where you're sitting amongst a set. So when we often look at management data, for example, and manager roles, we often find that store manager type roles are quite clustered together. And that's because actually the store manager role is pretty consistent across an awful lot of retailers. However, then you start to see when you look at perhaps team leader supervisor role, you get much more variability. And again, that helps people understand where are they pitching their roles versus where other people are and where are the where are the differences. And the other thing I always say to people is if you if we show you a benchmark sheet and you're sitting quite close to the top, everybody else that's on that sheet has you know, taken us on to do some work for them. So they've probably improved their position, use their data to, to move on and improve. 
So uh, never, never be complacent if you're at the top, because probably one of those people that was down the bottom has been doing an awful lot of work and may have taken you over by name. And the management piece is interesting because all the retailers, hospitality companies listening to this, you know, national living wages just kicked in some yeah. three days ago as we record. Prices are, inflation's rocketing, prices are going up. Nobody's quite sure which way the world's spinning at the moment with the various things that are going on. But are people in their third, fourth iteration of looking at management roles overlap and task and process, or are there lots of people just starting out? How do you how do you see it at the moment with the people you're working with? I think most people have already done some work on it. I think, I mean, it's, everybody says it about the pace of change and there's never been as much change as there has been of late. But actually, I think retailers and uh, any business on the high street, hospitality businesses, there has been a massive change of late. We had COVID, which changed things. And then lots of business, whether it was hospitality doing delivery, there's an awful lot of click and collect fulfillment in store, means in-store processes have been added to. So you've had real wild fluctuations in your walk-in demand. You've had massive changes in how you do your operation. And then there's still ongoing uncertainty. So it all felt okay a while ago. Not so long ago. And then because we're getting lots of news about, you know, what's happening with energy prices, cost of living versus wage inflation, as well as lots of uncertainty from, you know, the Ukraine situation. I don't know ongoing whether people will feel as comfortable spending. So if we don't really know whether customer demand is going to go down in some businesses. So I actually think it's a really tough time at the minute to be able to manage your business and it really effectively match your resource and your demand. I think what it does mean is it's really important to measure it and understand what your base costs are because otherwise you, you're kind of stabbing in the dark really to try and get that, that match correct. Whereas if you've got the evidence base to be able to make your calculations, understand where you are, if you've got a model so you can then start looking at, well, if we make these changes, what would the impact be? I think you're much better equipped to be able to see your way through this turbulent time no no i totally agree and in terms of just framing the conversation then we've talked around that piece of good credible base data to build your insights from using those mix of methodologies so you talked about activity study for the times per task role study which is around the whole leadership piece so store managers assistants deputies team leaders supervisors deputy till supervisors, whatever you've got in your organisation, how they work together, how they overlap, how much work they're doing that potentially could be done by somebody at a lower um, pay grade. And then also those efficiency study pieces where you talked around kind of wait no customer, non-value add time, percentage of time with customers to give that blended view, as well as the insight from the team gathering the data from their experience working across organizations of i've seen this work really well here i've seen somebody who's automated this as a great piece of tech to look at you know here's a photo of great process here's the variation across five six seven sites in the estate is there anything else you'd you'd add to that picture of turning the data and the excel into insights and i think you use the word stories as well I think one good way that uh, people use the data, so they'll take an insight around how long they spend on doing a task like price changes and then using that to help create business cases or using um, 
I really enjoy doing really targeted studies as well. So it's great to go in and do a broad study, but sometimes the really targeted ones where we'll go and look at a trial that somebody's doing in a close way. And the sort of insights that you generate from that really help people move the businesses on. So something like we've seen much more of um, electronic shelf edge labels. So instead of having to change your bits of paper around all the time, you know, at the press of a button from somebody in her office, all your point of sale is just immediately updated, always correct. It's got all sorts of extra functionality. That sort of thing, it's, that you know, the costs within technology investment are changing. And then the business case, if you can use your data to do that, will really help. And again, seeing the fact that somebody else has done it, there's more innovative ways of using self-checkout tills, you know, in terms of having screens that somebody else can authorise without having to go next to the next to the till. So, you know, we've worked with um, retailers that have tried stores that are let self-checkout led rather than being main tills and self-checkouts at the corner. So I think all those sorts of things, it can really help you. So I'd like to think we really help people think about, well, here's your insights about this is what you're spending on covering taking cash at the moment. Have you thought about self-checkout and using them in this way to radically change the way you spend your money and and the way you interact with your customers. So I think it, there's, it can be general productivity insights, but actually it can also be very targeted around here's a particular area and with some investment, you could drive some long-term benefits. Amazing. Well, hopefully we've painted the picture of, again, I said it at the start and I'll say it at the end, taking that data, the Excel spreadsheets, turn it into those stories, those insights, so that you can drive much more value. Having we both worked in retail, haven't we? And I think the, yeah. the question always is, so what? So you're telling me that, so what can I do with it? And I think that's where there's a real difference between data and insight, because the insight leads you into those stories, hopefully comes to some conclusions or some options at the end of those stories for next steps to really unlock the potential and get the value of all the data and the investment that you've made. Yeah. So I'll leave you to get back to your productivity insights. And I know you love them so much. You'll be uh, taking some time out to record this off doing insights. So I'll, I'll let you get back to them. And <laughs> thanks for your time today. Thank you.